This is the Unorthodoxy podcast, and as you've probably noticed by now, um, we're busy with a series on the Enneagram, and this is part seven. In the previous two episodes, I covered some of the general stuff about the gut and head enneotypes, which means that now it's time to look at, albeit too briefly, the remaining three points on the Enneagram. These are the so-called heart or feeling types, the twos, threes, and fours. As I mentioned towards the end of the previous episode, it seems to me that these types are the most likely to struggle with learning or hearing about what they're like through the perspective or the lens offered by the Enneagram, because they are the types who have most embraced personality as their way of coping with the world. In other words, the heart types to defend themselves against reality, resort to persona or image. If you fall into this triad, especially if you're a two or four, I just want to stress here that you are loved into existence, that love grounds all of existence, and that love is unconditional, this real love, that is. And anything that suggests otherwise goes against reality itself. I mention this because the central guiding emotion for the heart types is shame. And this is very different from the anger that gives rise to the gut types and the fear that gives rise to the head types. Shame is a very different sort of thing from guilt. Where guilt is connected with doing something and or some things wrong, shame is connected with feeling This feeling of somehow being wrong or being a problem with not being valuable or valued. And this is why twos, threes, and fours are likely to struggle with the Enneagram even when they recognize how helpful a tool it can be. Because unlike the other types, who are more likely to perceive the Enneagram as being a tool of compassion and understanding, which it really is supposed to be, the heart types are more likely to feel condemned by whatever they discover. So right at the outset, you have to know, especially if you're one of the hard types, that there really is no condemnation here from me. This may be tough information for image types to swallow, but the truth of it really has the potential to set the hard types free, even if it stings a little bit. This may be a kind of soul surgery, perhaps no fun at all, but genuinely helpful nonetheless. Also, I really will try to be kind. Um, If you do fit into the heart triad, you you do need to know that it's pretty much impossible to know your type without also knowing the pitfalls of that type. So that's, I think, that's good provisional information before we dive in. Uh, So let's dive in now, and we'll start with the threes. Now remember that the point three on the Enneagram symbolizes that loss of personal value that gives rise to the birth of persona. And well, the symbolism of of the point three is alarmingly close to what type threes actually experience, or at least what they are responding to, although not generally with a kind of clear awareness of what this really means. Threes need more than anyone else to look good. Sometimes this actually plays out in terms of how they they generate uh, their own personal appearance. A lot of threes out there are very, very keen on on actually physically appearing good, but looking good may be tied to other things uh, like work. Um, Because it's precisely in looking good, that is in appearing to be good or successful or an achiever in the eyes of others, 
that threes will feel most validated. And by the way, for immature threes, looking good usually is the point here rather than being good, which is more the focus of ones or mature threes. And this means that immature threes may end up seeming very competent and successful even when they're not competent or successful. It's often more about mimicking the idea of being somebody than about filling that somebodiness with substance. Uh, That said, threes frequently work extremely hard, take on too many projects, get caught up in lists and lists of tasks that they need to accomplish, and focus intensely on ensuring that they make a good impression on others in the process. Because of this, threes are tempted most by efficiency and can often be attracted to self-help books that encourage efficiency. David Allen's famous Getting Things Done is almost certainly the Bible of a number of threes out there. And it's also a profound exercise, I think, in missing the spiritual point. Maybe you'll get a lot of things done really quickly, but in the end, you're likely to still not know who you are if you're a three getting caught up in this trap of efficiency, which means that a type three might be effective without really having any real sense of their own purpose. The chief vice of unhealthy threes is deceit. They're the chameleons of the Enneagram. Especially when they're immature, they can shift and bend their personas to suit the requirements of that false god that Lacan calls the Big Other. Which means that, say, if the Big Other focuses on fashion, well then, the three in question will shift his or her attention to fashion. If the big other wants success in business, well then that's likely to be the focus of the three. If the big other is in academia, well then the three will want to look good there too, but they're not necessarily going to do the same kind of work that another type would do in that same position. Threes are often spin doctors or PR people who mediate between themselves and the big other. They're kind of their own PR people, as I've said before. They somehow manage to live as if the real truth of who they are is in external things like achievements, where recognition from their parents was, for instance, only obtained when they won a competition or did something worth making a remark about. The worst manifestation of this is narcissism, which is when the big other is so internalized that the self becomes the whole point of everything. Threes are all about efficiency and effectiveness, and they can get terribly frustrated when these things are not the priority of other people. Maybe a few threes out there are are waiting for me to get to the point. I'm not sure. Anyway, average threes are frequently concerned a little bit too much with the superficial because actually growing as a human being takes time and awareness and cannot take place in a consciousness that is obsessed with quick fixes. There is something in the superficiality that is fearful, which makes sense since the soul child of the three type is a little terrified and paranoid six child. The support structures of the of the world feel shaky, and so threes try to generate support by means of success-mongering and drivenness. When threes integrate the soul child, they are able to stop being self-absorbed and can manage a profound sem- sense of depth and connectedness. When this happens, they move into the community-driven space 
of sex types, being more vulnerable and much more in touch with their feelings. And this is needed because while they are in the heart triad, threes are frequently rather out of touch with their own emotions. While threes integrate at point six, they tend to disintegrate towards the worst of nine-ishness. They become numb and indecisive and unproductive. They're also prone to passive-aggressively or perhaps even outright aggressively punishing people who point out their shortcomings. Of course, threes can also learn to integrate the best of nine-ishness, becoming more at peace, more receptive and more open. I've spoken briefly about rest as the antidote antidote to overwork for type sixes, but the same thing is going to be true here, perhaps more true for threes. Threes really need, more than anyone else out there, to be okay with failure, with non-success and with non-achievement. Threes should really learn to take a proper vacation and leave work at work rather than always taking it home. And maybe three types can also learn to get deep, to embrace the virtue of truth and truth-telling. That is really going to be their best friend. That move from deceit to truth sounds like a really worthwhile journey. In fact, as hard as it may be, threes really need to work on telling the truth all the time, especially the truth that they themselves need to hear and especially when it is truth that concerns their emotional lives. One psychotherapist who works with the Enneagram remarked that in their experiences with threes, threes are the most reluctant of the types to embrace therapy in an honest way because they're often too busy looking for ways to do the right thing and actually impress their their therapist. Threes are actually in a way the readiest of the types to give up on getting healthy because their persona does good work for them. So, well, if you are a three, be very careful of this tendency. You need help as much as everyone else does. When when threes do, in fact, accept the help of others and step beyond their vices, they're capable of huge depth, insight, hopefulness, and a kind of very clear vision of the ways in which the big other functions as a lie. And yes, that is a brilliant thing to strive for. And maybe this should be the real goal of three types. I think it's a pretty worthy goal for for a lot of us. So there you go. That is my rough sketch of the three Enneotype. Now on to twos. Many of the twos I know uh, love to change the subject when I ask them to tell me how they're doing, (laughs) which is really funny because they just, they really don't want to talk about themselves. And in fact, even having others like me talk about them is going to be a tough pill for them to swallow. So uh, if you are a two, I'm sorry, I'm going to be talking about you. It would hardly be right for me to leave you out because that would just be me taking your own self-abnegation a little too seriously. So, well, if three types need to be successful or efficient or effective, twos need to be needed. But this plays out unexpectedly. This inner need is is projected onto the world. And in fact, twos tend to seem quite self-sufficient and to not need anything because they act out of a kind of fear that maybe everyone will be just fine without them. For twos, everyone needs help, even God. 
I mentioned earlier that Christianity is often in some forms quite bad for twos since there's this huge push in Christian ethics towards loving others above yourself. The trouble is this is not something you have to tell it to to do. Twos love others so naturally and so compulsively that telling them to love others may actually exacerbate their tendency towards self-forgetfulness and self-deprecation and basically overlooking their own boundaries. Twos will give of themselves until there is nothing left. But this profound tendency to give of themselves emerges quite surprisingly out of the chief vice of the two, which is pride. I mentioned previously that twos like fives and eights tend to feel that they're above everyone else. Well, twos express this sense that they're above others by serving others, as if they're the only ones who are truly able to meet the the needs of those others. And to serve others with such consistency means that twos are likely to feel that they are, in fact, in some sense, responsible for everyone else's well-being. They convince themselves that others need them, that they're humbly helping others out. But this is all to avoid the fact that they're doing this out of pride. Twos do have a bit of a tendency to manipulate others, although please be aware that this manipulation is often unconscious. They will easily stroke the egos of others at the drop of a hat, and they'll put themselves down with no trouble at all. At the center of this, though, is a very strong desire to have good relationships, to feel loved, accepted, and to keep people happy. When relationships fail, twos feel that pain particularly strongly. And unfortunately, they're very likely to feel that their self-worth is going to collapse as the result of any kind of relational separation. It's really, really, really important for twos, and of course the other hard types, to find ways to see that their own self-worth is a solid, uncontestable thing. And it definitely doesn't depend on what they're doing or or how they're feeling. Twos need to know that their self-worth does not depend on on how helpful they are. Twos get their, their outward focus largely out of a repression of a very, very needy, emotionally imbalanced, jealous, competitive, spiteful little four soul child. The turbulence of the inner life of that four soul child is what twos want to avoid. Twos may express their envy of others as a kind of oversweetness. Of course, it's basically hell for twos to acknowledge this soul child because it's totally going to annihilate their sense that their own open-heartedness and compassion is not for the sake of open-heartedness and compassion. It's more just to get away from some sort of darkness. But moving towards that little four soul child and integrating it and then moving towards the mature side of fourishness is exactly what the two needs to be able to get integrated. He or she needs to understand that the search for a sense of depth and personal identity that fourishness represents is going to save them from trying to save everybody else. It's the best of fourishness that twos need the most, a sense of balance, a sense of origin and authenticity, a sense of their own true worth. 
Twos disintegrate to eight, meaning that when their love is not reciprocated or they're going through hugely stressful times, they often defend themselves from feelings of worthlessness by taking on ego revenge. And then twos start calling the shots. They, they dish out orders. They control other people. The remedy to this is the virtue of integrated twos, which happens to be humility. This humility happens when the two acknowledges their edges and their limitations, and when they see that they are not capable of saving anyone, and in fact that they're not even capable of saving themselves. Twos begin to integrate when they they address their own needs first, or allow others to address their needs. Um, when, When they love others as they love themselves, rather than loving themselves only by loving others. And and when they check their motivations and see all the subtle ways that pride seeps into even the very best of their intentions. Twos need to learn that it in a sense is better to receive than to give. I know that's that's terrible advice for any of the other types, maybe except for nines, but if you're a two, maybe you should take that seriously because you'll be most naturally inclined to give after receiving more fully. And so giving and receiving become the point, not just one or the other. So there you go, my two friends. I I hope that wasn't too bad. There is absolutely no shame in being you. And any message that you got that suggested otherwise is an outright lie. If it was a message you got from your context or a message you got from, from you, from somehow your response to the world, that message of not being valued or valuable, it's just nonsense and uh, it should be ignored, basically. So now, uh, at long last, we get to Enneotype 4. Fours are going to be both pleased and disturbed to know that fours are the most emotionally complex of all the Enneotypes. They're, they're also the most likely of all the Enneotypes to pay no attention to anything else I've said about all the other Enneotypes and skip only to the bits where I'm talking about them. Although this tendency is likely to be less about narcissism than it is to be uh, out of a sense that maybe I can help to fill the void. Uh, of course, I'm just, I'm kind of joking, but maybe I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, this is this is tricky territory though, because fours are the most likely of all the types to feel misunderstood, even more likely than any type fives. Any type fives know they're misunderstood, so that kind of, they they don't worry about it. But fours take it, it really personally. So I know I'm going to risk making a few enemies just by talking about type fours. I need you to know that I love type fours. I think everyone has a place in this, this world and, and we need difference and we need the originality that fours bring to the table. And of course, I just want to stress again that I really mean no harm. By the way, let me point out right here that no two fours are alike. <laughs> Even if there are trends and patterns to fourishness, that by no means suggests that you are not unique if you are a type four. Fours, as you may have guessed, especially if you are a four, are hypersensitive to the question of their own originality. And the fact that I'm blanketing them all together is going to make at least a few fours feel like they've just they live in a horribly cruel and unjust world. 
While uh, twos are easily guilty of projection, which is the defense mechanism that places your own problems onto others, fours are most likely to be guilty of introjection, which is more or less the reverse. It's among other things that amounts to taking any kind of emotional experience, especially negative emotion, and pulling it into your own inner world. If a four meets a few friends and everyone except that one person in the group is fine, fours will somehow get sucked into the emotional vortex of that one person who is feeling that negative emotion. And somehow, the four type is likely to make that negativity about them. Oddly enough, though, this is a defense mechanism. They, they internalize a sense of rejectedness to prevent themselves, I think, from feeling too much pain if actual rejection ever comes their way. Because fours are very sensitive to rejection. And if you know and love a four, you need to be aware of this. Because loving a four is about affirming that who they are um, as, as Im- impossible to reject. Because they're just so ludicrously wonderful. Fours might think that there's something wrong with the world. Sure, but they definitely think that there's something wrong with them. That they're missing something. Ironically, they also rely on the sense of loss because it makes them feel different and their difference or out-of-placeness helps them to gain a sense of their own identities. This is a real paradox. Fours easily feel torn between the pain of alienation and their sense, this profound sense that their alienation is precisely what they need to feel original. They don't want to feel out, but they kind of feel that they need to feel out to feel in it's a, it's a confusing thing and difficult to to navigate because of this kind of pushing and pulling within them the identities of fours are works in progress and they tend to shift fairly easily especially when fours are younger during their teenage years i think this this happens more dramatically fours play with different identities and sometimes this even includes different sexual identities and they do this far more than other types This bending and blending of lines and rules, by the way, has a very strong relationship with the repressed type 1 soul child of the 4, which I'm going to get to in a bit. As I've intimated, the out-of-placeness of 4s means that even though they feel like they're missing something, they can't generally allow themselves to properly recognize what that something is. The vagueness of this certain something means that fours are more bound than any other type to that mimetic desire known as envy. This is their chief vice. Other people may have that so-called something that they're missing, but somehow fours don't know how to get that something, whatever it is. And this is terribly sad, obviously, but in a surprisingly good way. If misery loves company, that company is probably a group of fours. The Romantic period in art and music history is a, is a four-ish period through and through. The dangerous thing about the type four's relationship with emotions is as follows. Fours attach their sense of self to a particular experience of emotion. So they'll tend to also be likely to reject emotions that don't feel like they support their sense of an authentic self. In particular, fours struggle to accept lasting deep happiness or calm rationality as a legitimate emotional response to the world. So they may try and expose themselves to experiences um, that are deeply 
uh, emotionally charged. Um, they'll watch movies, for instance, that that like shred them and somehow they'll feel like that's what they need to feel authentic by the way this actually does also work in terms of positive emotion so so for struggle to to like live in the emotional flatlining of of highly rationalist fives because they want to they want to be able to experience the extremes of life why, by the way, would anyone do this? Um, well, it turns out that this this experience of emotional richness is utterly brilliant for the four types creativity. Fours are able, by and large, to take their emotional experiences and to translate or sublimate them into all kinds of creative expressions, music, art, dance, or all sorts of other things, ways of teaching, conversation, uh, ways of playing with ideas and exploring the world, and you name it. Any kind of creative creative expression for a four is kind of uh, propelled by this uh, sense of emotional richness. The good of this is obviously very hard to overlook. Fours would not be able to be shallow if they tried. Also, we owe so much to fours in terms of just the beauty of the world. They're the ones who who like make who want to make things beautiful. Life for the fours must be experienced as something incredibly deep, rich, complex, nuanced, and poetic. Fours also almost certainly see the multidimensionality of the human experience better than, I, I think, any of the other types. Although there is a tendency for this multidimensionality to be pulled back into the gravitational force of the tragic. Perhaps surprisingly, fours who tend to speak in lament exemplify a kind of refusal to mourn. They find themselves sad or struggling or permanently grappling with life's biggest hurts, but they have great difficulty in getting past those hurts. Fives might be able to compartmentalize their pain and remove it from their present experience, but fours bring all of that pain into the present, and it lingers like a parasite, like a particularly bad case of nostalgia. There is a kind of feeling of stuckness and perhaps even a kind of latent anxiety attached to the possibility of transcending sorrow. All of this can create quite a bit of strife in the four's relationships with others. They crave love, but doubt that they really should be loved. Um, they, they are even likely from time to time to create trouble in their relationships, often unconsciously, just to see if their partner or lover or friend will reach out to them and tell them that they love them or, or act in ways that are loving towards them. Because of their relationship with envy, fours also feel more deeply than others that that when they have what they wanted, that suddenly they don't want it anymore, and or that it's not really that fulfilling. Fours are the most likely of all the types to search for what can never be found, and will beat themselves up for not finding it. Again, this is it's such a dilemma for fours. Uh, another profound dimension of fours is is that they're really empathic um, in a way that that's quite just quite beautiful. Uh, the difficulty with this beautiful empathy is that fours may not easily be able to discern the difference between the emotions of others and their own emotions. They care almost too much and can, for this reason, be profoundly compassionate when they are able to step beyond their natural sense of self-absorption. But it's the depth of the type fours that all of us could do with a lot more of and mature fours are capable of handling life's richness and complexities in profound ways 
with this kind of abiding wisdom. They're able to be true to themselves and to others, especially in terms of integrating emotion with reason and instinct. And of course, the world would be so much poorer without fools like Shakespeare and Thomas Merton. And you could name so many others as examples of profound fools. Fools emerge largely out of a repression of a very picky, compliant, inauthentic little one soul child. But it is the ability of the mature one that fours need the most in terms of helping themselves to find a place in the world. That one energy will also help the four to understand that doing things by the book does not necessarily equate to being inauthentic. In a way, the Enneagram system itself might function a bit like that since it seeks to place everything in right perspective. Fours then integrate when they can accept that they have put living by the rules into a fictional category called inauthenticity. Fours disintegrate by moving into the excessive neediness and overly emotional expressiveness of immature twos. And this in itself gives a clue or two about how fours might move forward. Number one on the list is that fours need to not take their emotions so seriously. I get that this may sound like absolute nonsense to fours who are likely to be overly identified with their emotions, but of course that's exactly my point. Emotions are vital, they're they're so important for understanding our relationship with life and reality, but they are not the whole story. Emotions are data but they are not directions. That's a useful bit of advice for all of us. And activity does not have to emerge only when you're in the right mood. Fours are likely to put off doing the right thing because they just don't feel like it. Well, if you're a four, stop that immediately. Just do the right thing. It may not be pleasant or creative or true to who you think you are, but it is necessary. And well, necessity is a real thing. Also, through working hard, fours might come to realize that they are enough, that they do not lack anything, that there is nothing they can do to be loved more or less, that reality does not depend on their insecurities to respond. Negativity only breeds negativity, and fours need to find themselves again and again and again within the context of wholeness that is already present in all things. I sincerely hope that that makes sense. Of course, I cannot in any way cover all the details and you may feel like my sketch of the gut, head and heart types um, has just really failed to, to get to the essence of your experience. And that of course may be true. This in the end is not supposed to be comprehensive but should give you a decent enough sense of how you might engage with the Enneagram in terms of its dynamism, in terms of the flow from number to number, in terms of uh, soul childs and points of disintegration and points of integration and wings, uh, which I will get to at some point in the near future. But of course, I am um, not done yet. Uh, in the next episode, I want to talk about typing and mistyping because that's a major issue for people who engage with the Enneagram. And in typical five-ish fashion, I'm going to point out why it's not as simple as just filling a test in or uh, finding out what your number is from someone else. And also why typing others is tricky and maybe in which ways it may not even be very helpful. 
So I really hope you tune in for that. Uh, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast. Um, I really appreciate it, and I, I hope this is helping you in some way. Cheers for now.